I'm so thankful because, you know, with the stroke impacts that I've had, I've been very fortunate in that I don't have a lot of cognitive impacts. And, you know, during my recovery, I've focused a lot on just talking because at, in the Army, I'm an intelligence officer, which means my bread and butter of my career is making sure that I can intelligently talk about subjects. So I never want to lose that. And I was so scared to lose that ability. So that was something that I really focused on during my recovery, even if I look like a, you know, crazy, crazy guy walking up and down the street, just talking to myself. It really helped. Even the stroke couldn't take me down. That was Jay Wu in the prime of her career as an army captain in the military. She received shocking news. She was experiencing many strokes, TIA. She'll be telling her story after we hear from Claire Verity, who is the chairperson of Go Red for Women, Puget Sound, and President Regents Blue Shield. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders in our community. We're going to start out by talking to Claire Verity. She is the chairperson for Go Red for Women, Puget Sound. Welcome, Claire. I love it that you're wearing red, even though we can't see you. I love wearing red, so it's a natural occurrence for me. (laughs) We are here to talk about not only Go Red for Women, but the big event, Be the Beat. Yep, it is uh, Be the Beat. It's a new kind of reimagined Go Red for Women experience. We've had it as a luncheon in the past, but we're going to take it to the evening. It will be on Thursday, March 2nd, and it starts at 5.30. The website for this event is seattlegored.heart.org. Claire, what brings you to this work and this job? Well, I have always been interested in healthcare from high school days, frankly. I started learning CPR in ninth grade. I was going through a health curriculum class in in high school. And little did I know that uh, learning CPR in ninth grade would actually help me save a life a year later. I was actually performing CPR on a gentleman who had a massive heart attack. So 12 months after that, my dad had a heart attack. So learning the signs and symptoms of heart attack or heart disease obviously started very early in my lifetime and made a big difference. And so I continued on that front since that point. That is so crazy. I have taken a lot of CPR classes just through my years. I try to keep updated, but I've never heard a story like that where a teenager saves so many lives. Thank God I knew how to do it. But it was back in the day where you had both the chest compressions and the breathing that you had to kind of alternate. Today, it's only hands-only CPR But it was quite a life changer for me. But I was so glad at least I knew how to perform CPR. The Be the Beat is our theme today for that purpose of learning CPR. You went into this work and then did you find out you had a condition? I did. I just found out I had something called supraventricular tachycardia. I learned of it about 10 years ago now. It was very benign. I'm always, I've run marathons. I'm pretty healthy. And I was going in for a, just a surgery for my shoulder. And the doctor asked me if I had any heart issues. And I said, no. And I said, every once in a while, I, hear, I feel a little flutter in my heart, but nothing big. And that kind of stopped the presses at that moment. Was then later diagnosed um, through some testing that I had that condition. Thankfully for me, it's relatively benign. I just have to see my cardiologist every year. But a lot of people, it's not. It can it causes a rapid heartbeat and it can cause fatality. Frankly, on that, it's not an older person disease. It's the number one killer of women. I think the more we can just create greater awareness about some of the things that are important around your health 
the more we'll save lives. I think what amazes me every year when I talk to you is how sneaky heart disease is. thing is that there's a fact that I was actually quite surprised to learn. Research now is showing that younger women, heart attacks are on the rise. And those are the millennials and the Gen Zs, and they're less likely to be aware of cardiovascular disease. And a lot of these things are kind of the silent killer. Cholesterol. You don't really know you have high cholesterol until you get your blood drawn and you find out your numbers. The same is kind of for blood pressure as well. Those are the things that can kind of sneak up on you and they can have just a detrimental impact, obviously, on you as an individual. So I always say, know your numbers. That's the number one thing we can do is go into your doctor, get your cholesterol measured, your blood pressure, your blood glucose. Those are three big things that kind of sneak up on you over time. And it doesn't take a lot of time to have an impact on on your health. Are those yearly regular tests? Are they something people would want to request? They should just be part of a yearly annual exam that you can go in. Your doctor should be already doing that, but it's always good to go in with uh, armed with information and ask for that to be done. And so this event that's coming up, rather than the luncheon, which I've been to the luncheon, this is an evening of event Thursday, March 2nd. How do people find out about it? People can go to the website, the Seattle Go Red, all one word, seattlegored.heart.org. It is on Thursday, March 2nd, starts at 530. One little notation is that there will be valet parking for everybody. So you don't have to worry about uh, finding parking. It's at Block 41. And if you haven't been to Block 41, it is a fabulous. It's a fun, very urban, comfortable place. It's on 115 Bell Street in Belltown. What can we expect? Well, uh, hopefully a lot of really good things. Number one, just networking with people in the community. So there'll be a lot of different individuals there. We'll have cocktails, of course, and, and live music. But the most important thing is that we're going to be hearing from a diverse group of women about how heart disease and stroke have made an impact on them personally in their lives. So there are a couple speakers, Jay Wu, who is a young woman who was in the military when she experienced many strokes and needed brain surgery. Keely Oliver Burton, who had a dream of playing college basketball. And those were nearly dashed when she was diagnosed with a heart condition. And, and those are two younger individuals. As I mentioned, this is on the rise. So just hearing that those inspirational stories from women all over the state is just really impactful. And so if somebody wants to go, they would go to seattlegorad.heart.org to register. Yes. We want to see as many people as possible at this event. That It'll be inspirational. It'll be informative. It'll be fun. It's just always a really good event. And it's fun to have it in the evening versus uh, over lunchtime. When I went to the luncheons, they were so informative. I didn't know what to expect when I went. Will you have booths? There'll be some individuals in there that will be kind of experts and, and for the networking portion of it, yes. And Block 41 is kind of organized that way. Down below is kind of an, an area where you can have music and cocktails. Upstairs is kind of the more formal place where you'll have the tables and the speakers and so forth. A couple of just notations. Number one, our fundraising goal this year is a million dollars. So we're well on our way, obviously, to get there. But I think the biggest piece for the message today, our theme is Be the Beat. It is learning. We want to have a goal of having one person in every household in Washington know how to perform CPR. Our group of uh, leaders that are part of my Go Red executive leadership team 
are all really circled around that that effort and that initiative for the state of Washington. It'll make a difference just like it made a difference to me way, way back when I was in ninth grade. Someone listening is going, hey, wait, my kids don't know how to do CPR. What's the next step? Who do they call? Where do they go? There's actually a a number of resources. You could just go on website that we just mentioned a moment ago. American Heart Association has a plethora of information out there for individuals. It is actually super easy to learn. There are videos. You can have instructors come into your classroom or your workplace. There are obviously defibrillators now that are in most public spaces, which can help restart a heart. But the American Heart Association, if you just go to their website, they'll have a ton of information of where to sign up or get information. And like I said, it's just, it's hands-only CPR now. So it's just chest compressions until the paramedics show up. So somebody listening is like, I can't go to the event, but I really want to do my part. I want to donate. What do they do? You can still go to that seattlegored.heart.org and there'll be information in there to provide a, a welcome donation. The funds that are raised every year go to a, just a variety of different research opportunities. They also help us with education in the community. We're very focused on making sure that our diverse population, especially women of color who seem to be impacted more greatly from heart disease have the awareness of heart disease. The seattlegored.heart.org is the place to go. I just love your passion. And I think for somebody who learned CPR, but I've never done it ever. And then to go to these events and hear these stories just really opened my eyes to the fact that we want to pay attention. It's not like, oh, I'm healthy. It's like, know what you said about know your numbers, pay attention, find out if you have anything to be concerned about. Because if you do, you want to pay attention or it will sneak right up on you. Exactly. And obviously, everybody's seen how this has played out on the national stage in the football game where an unfortunate circumstance, somebody knew CPR. And that saved Damar's life. It's so important. And it's one of those things that is easy to learn. It's obviously life-saving. The more that we can raise that awareness, know that the signs and symptoms of heart attack can be different among men and women. Women tend to have a little bit more nausea and back pain and not necessarily all of the typical things you might see with your chest or arm pain. We just have to always be aware, really understand your family history, what's maybe going to create a greater risk for you. But the earlier, the better. I sent my kids out. They're in their mid-20s. I made them get their cholesterol taken, their blood pressure, blood glucose, or sugar. Because you need to know at that early of a stage kind of what you're dealing with. It's just so important. And most insurance pays for these preventive services. Good to know. So your goal is for one person in every household. Yes. You know CPR. Yes, that's our goal for this year. And we've got so many impassioned leaders in the community who are spreading the word, getting out in the community to help. And and it really is amazing when you talk to someone, they're saying, I had no idea. I had no idea it was this prevalent number one killer, including all of the cancers and combined heart diseases still the number one killer of women. My hope is that every day, one message helps save one life. Before we go, Claire, I just want to bring up this one thing. I feel like women are more likely, and maybe it's because the symptoms are different, 
to brush it off. It seems to me like it would be better to go and let it be heartburn than not go. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I think women in general tend to push things off. (laughs) I think we put our family first, our jobs first, and ourselves, our well-being, perhaps maybe not in that order. And sometimes it might be, oh, you know, I'll take care of it in the next couple of days. It's not that big of a deal. And the fact is that every minute, every hour that passes, it deteriorates your chance of survival or maybe worsens your condition. Just pay attention to those symptoms. Sometimes there is a very easy explanation. Sometimes there's not, and you need to see your physician and not to delay. That's the biggest thing is that if you get in early enough, these become almost, I don't want to say non-events, but they're, they're definitely recoverable. Just with my example, with my dad, he was having heart attack symptoms. And I kept saying, gosh, get something done. And that said to me, even at that early age of take care of myself. Because as women, I just might say, I'll deal with it later and I'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all guilty of that. Well, thank you so much. I would just encourage everyone to send somebody in their family to get that CPR training because here you saved two lives. I've never saved any, but do I regret that I took the training? No, I'm so glad that I would know what to do in an emergency. Exactly. It's wonderful. And I'm glad you are one that knows it because you you just never know. You never know what out to dinner or walking on the sidewalk in downtown. It it can happen anywhere. Well, thank you so much, Claire. And again, that website, seattlegored.heart.org. Are you asking people to wear red when they come to this event? Absolutely. And you'll see a whole variety. (laughs) You'll see a whole variety of red, whether it's uh, red dresses, boas, shoes, ties, everything. It's a lot of fun. You'll see a lot of fun uh, dress up there. I hope you raise all that money you want to raise and more. Thanks, Lori. I appreciate the time today. Jay Wu was in the prime of her career as an Army captain in the military when she received shocking news she was experiencing many strokes. Jay, welcome. Welcome, Jay Wu. I'm so excited to talk to you about all the things that you're doing, but first and foremost, you are an ambassador. Yes, I'm a Go Red for Women ambassador, real woman. Why don't you just start by telling us your story? Long story short, I started experiencing TIAs or transient isemic attacks, uh, which are many strokes, when I was deployed in Afghanistan back in the spring of 2020. And At first, it seemed like it was a result of a compounding injury. I had a torn left shoulder labrum at the same time. So my physical therapist and my primary care managers really thought that it was linked to nerve damage within my arm. So maybe it was radiating down all the way to my fingertips. So I experienced a lot of numbness, dullness, tingling, really just dull pain running through my entire left arm for about eight months. And eventually that turned into my diagnosis for Moya Moya disease, which is a rare progressive cerebrovascular disease where your carotid arteries leading up to your brain are dying for a no known cause, really. In essence, you lose oxygen to your brain. And so branch arteries start forming around your brain or to try to really deliver that blood supply and that oxygen supply that your brain needs. Unfortunately, over time, if it goes undiagnosed, Moya Moya disease is fatal or could be fatal. So I was thankful in that by the time that they had discovered my disease, 
I had the intervention before I had a full-blown stroke. I'm so glad that you got that intervention. What did an intervention look like? Like, was there surgery or what was next for you once they diagnosed you? Yeah, it was two surgeries since both sides of my brain were impacted. So I had to undergo two cerebral bypasses. So similar to what you hear about heart bypasses, it's really just taking a superficial artery, um, my skull. And again, I'm not a medical professional, you know, so any medical professional out there can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but they take a superficial artery on my scalp and route it into my brain. So there's a hole that they drill into my skull. That's where the superficial artery is grafted onto my brain in order to bypass the main artery leading up to my brain. And what kind of recovery was that like for you? How long and and what did it entail? Oh, the recovery was very lengthy. So it was about three months each as just really the recommended time frame to be out of work and to slowly get myself back to walking, jogging, and then running eventually. It took about three to six months each for me to really feel a little bit normalized. I came off of medication at the three-month mark. And then at that point, I kind of had to listen to my body and slow down if I think I'm going a little too fast. And and that came with a lot of fears of just running again, right? Because I, for some reason, I started thinking it might be scary to have my brain bobbing around after a surgery like this. So maybe running isn't like a good thing or whatnot. So I think the recovery process in itself, physically, if I follow the directions of my neurosurgeon, it's copable, right? You can absolutely do it. But I think the hardest part of it was really the mental portion. And did it affect your brain? I did experience a little bit of brain fog, obviously since I experienced all those mini strokes for about eight months before I was diagnosed. But thankfully, I didn't really have any sorts of like aphasia. I had a little bit of slurred speech, but cognitively, it didn't really impact me bad enough. I just made sure that I practiced speaking and I practiced reading out loud to make sure that cognitively is stuck. What will your role be at the big event coming up, Be The Beat? It's so exciting. So it's held on March 2nd at Block 41 in Seattle. Uh, it's an event that Go Red for Women puts on and I'll be speaking in order to really just raise awareness about not only rare diseases, but also like heart disease and stroke symptoms that impacts people like me and you know everyone else around the world without them knowing. It's really educational in order to really raise awareness and funds to advance the fight against heart disease and stroke. Jay, you are young. I think we maybe have some myths that we think heart disease is for older people. And some of the statistics, one in five women in the U.S. will have a stroke each year, more females than males. I think that's kind of shocking. Did that surprise you when you started to really understand what all this was? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was 28 when I started experiencing these mini strokes, and I was also active duty military. So I was constantly healthy. I always had a really active lifestyle. I focused a lot on musculoskeletal recovery, ate right, and I had been active duty army for about an eight to 10 years at this point. So I never really thought that I would experience something like this. Like you said, one in five women in the US will have a stroke. And Each year, more females than males have a stroke, and nearly 60% of stroke deaths are actually in women. And since I'm actually in the age range when it comes to moya moya disease, I'm an outlier. It predominantly happens in either younger children or older adults, and I'm in the median age range. So I'm a little bit 
outside of the normal statistics. So I think that's why this event is even more important is that if it happened to me and I don't have any familial history of neurological diseases that I know of or that my family knows of, then I feel like this shouldn't have even been something that happened in my life, but it did. Raising awareness is so good. And it has been for me through the years. Every year when we do these interviews, I learn so much more and I'm actually more and more shocked at how it does sneak up on people. And one of the things that you talk about is the stroke warning signs. Can you tell us about that? The stroke warning signs are easy to remember if you just take in the acronym FAST. So FAST stands for F, which stands for facial drooping. So whether or not one side of your face is drooping or numb, A for arm weakness, so is one arm weak or numb, specifically asking somebody to raise both hands and whether or not like one arm drifts downwards. S stands for speech difficulty, so whether or not someone's speech is starting to slur, whether or not you're starting to notice that facial drooping while they're trying to speak on one side. And T stands for time, so timeliness of intervention, calling 911 is so pertinent because again, I went through life not really knowing what strokes were, never really thinking that strokes would impact me or anything. But if I had known fast back then and what to look out for, I probably would have gotten the intervention even sooner. That's really good to know because I think we talked about this a little bit with Claire, how it's really easy to dismiss symptoms or signs, especially like you said, that you were so healthy and you were working out and you had such an active lifestyle. And I think one of the things that really saved me was that I kept a journal. So just any sort of notebook, really, I wrote down all the weird symptoms I was starting to experience and logging the timeframes throughout the day, the frequencies and stuff like that, because, you know, I did start becoming pretty concerned while I was deployed that something was going wrong. And I'm glad I did because that, in essence, turned into kind of like a history of, well, how long I've been experiencing it. And it really helped doctors to narrow down what all my symptoms were. Oh, that was so smart. The website for this event is goredforwomen.org. What is it that you really want people to know? I mean, I guess everything on the website because, you know, it goes over so much information when it comes to heart disease and stroke. But what I really want everybody to take away from the Go Red for Women campaign and what American Heart Association does, especially at these kind of Go Red for Women events, is that we want to ensure that all women are aware of their greatest health risks and really take charge of their health to reduce that risk for heart disease or stroke because it is preventable when it comes to just education altogether, because that's the foundation of everything, right? If you don't know, you don't know how to help somebody. So the more you're educated in things like CPR, symptoms to look out for, the more you could potentially really become an intervention when it comes to saving someone's life. All the Go Red for Women classes are available through our social media channels. So all of us have our own Instagrams or Facebook pages. So if people want to learn along with us, we're more than happy to. And I really just want to let everyone know that like, you know, you can reach out to us. Like we're just normal people. So if you just email me or if you just message me on Instagram or something, like I'll answer because I went through a lot of this alone, especially during COVID restrictions. And the last thing that any of us survivors want is for somebody else to feel alone throughout this process. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from all of these events. I love that. You're not alone. Jay, thank you so much. I'm glad that you got diagnosed and that this was all taken care of. And it's scary to think if people aren't paying attention that um, there is a real risk. So thank you for being willing to tell your story and share this information. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you so much for hosting us. The event is called Be the Beat, a reimagined Go Red for Women experience. And it's going to be held on March 2nd at Block 41 in Seattle in the evening starting around 5.30 p.m. Pacific time frame. And you can absolutely learn more about it at Be the Beat at either seattlegored.heart.org or goredforwomen.org. You can reach me at my Instagram handle, which is going to be at JWU underscore AHA. So I'm from the East Coast. I'm from New Jersey, New York area. So like I'm used to talking really fast. I've been told that all my life to slow down because I sound quote unquote nervous sometimes. But I'm like, well, I'm used to talking fast, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of hard to take it out of me. Even the yeah, stroke just- take me down. <laughs> Again, I'm so thankful because, you know, with the stroke impacts that I've had, I've been very fortunate in that I don't have a lot of cognitive impacts. And, you know, during my recovery, I've focused a lot on just talking because at, in the army, I'm an intelligence officer, which means my bread and butter of my career is making sure that I can intelligently talk about subjects. So I never want to lose that. And I was so scared to lose that ability. So that was something that I really focused on during my recovery, even if I look like a, you know, crazy, crazy guy walking up and down the street, just talking to myself. It really helped. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. Be the Beat is a gathering of supporters of the Go Red for Women movement united in the fight against heart disease and stroke. Cardiovascular disease remains the leading health threat for women, causing more deaths than all forms of cancer combined. The event is going to feature networking, cocktails, live music. We'll hear from a diverse group of women and how heart disease and stroke have made major impact in their lives. We often think of the heart disease as an older person's disease, but the two main speakers are young women who are proof that cardiovascular disease affects women at all stages in life. The goal is to engage women in the Go Red movement, raising awareness and funds for the American Heart Association. Funds support research, community education, and other efforts to improve cardiovascular health of women. Find out more about this event, seattlegored.heart.org. Or you can go to goredforwomen.org. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.